Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, tonight I want to continue talking about our great God and knowing our great God, and it's important to know Him, not just know about Him, because there is a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. So, like, you know, I, I know about Governor Kay Ivey. Uh, I've known him, you know, you see things in the news, whatever, but I've never met her personally, so I don't know Governor Kay Ivey. It's not like I can just call up to the Capitol and say, hey, Kay, you need to do this. I don't know her. I know about her, but I don't know her. But now, you know, my wife, Tricia, I know her. We have a relationship. You know, the one, the difference is, you know, I just know facts about the one, but the other one I've built a relationship with. And you build relationship. You get to know someone through their character. You get to know a person as um, you communicate with them and they reveal themselves over uh, time. You get to know another person by spending time with them and talking with them and revealing, you know, as they reveal themselves to you. So you build that relationship through that communication. And the same holds true with your relationship with God. You, you get to know God. You get to know his character by the way that he has revealed himself in his holy word. And, and one way that God has made his character known is through the names that he has used for himself. And well, I guess, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the names that, that others have given to him Uh, It reveals something about him. It reveals who he is, and we get to know him through that. Now, when we talk about the names of God, we're we're, we're talking about a whole lot more than just a label. I mean, God does not have a name like we have names so that we're differentiated from one another. You know, the, the world, I don't know if you read the news, the world just hit 8 billion people. So... There's a whole lot of people on this earth, and we differentiate each other by our names. They're, they're like labels. But God's name isn't like that. I mean, God's name is not like Bob or, or Joe or something like that. His names are a revelation. The names that are given in Scripture are a revelation of his nature and his character. And so every time we run into a name of God or, you know, someone gives him a name under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it, it tells us something new about him. And this is important um, because God's word places great emphasis on the name of God or the names of God. For example, in Proverbs 18.10, it says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And so it's not saying that his label is strong tower, but it's saying that, that his character is like a strong tower. He can be trusted to per, be our protector, to give us ultimate safety and security. Um, Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And so, you know, it says we can have confidence and trust in God's name, meaning we can have confidence and trust his nature, his character, his attributes, his person. When we know the names of God, we learn something about God himself. Now, last week I spoke about a few of the names. Again, you can 
watch on YouTube, listen on podcasts or whatever. One of the names was El or Elohim, meaning mighty one. And, you know, that is quite often paired with other words to tell you how mighty he is. Another name that I talked about was Adonai, which is Lord, Master. It just reminds us that he is Lord and Master of all. And another name I used was uh, Abba. He is the loving father to those who are his uh, children. Well, there's another name I want to look at tonight, and then some of the words that are added to it or the descriptions that are added to it. And we either pronounce it Jehovah or Yahweh. And of all the names that are used of God, this is the name that is used the most. In fact, in the Old Testament, that name is used over 6,800 times. Now, this is the covenant name of God. It is the name in the Old Testament with reference to God making covenant with people. It's first used in Genesis 2-4, but it's not given its full significance until the time of Moses, when Moses was to be used as a tool by which God set the people free from Egyptian bondage. Moses asked God the name that he would tell them because he said, look, well, you know, Moses gave a lot of excuses why he shouldn't go to begin with, but all right, okay, if I go to these people, they're going to ask me your name. They're going to ask me, what's the name of this God who sent me? So what am I supposed to tell them? And this is God's response in Exodus 3.14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So, you know, in, the, in that verse, those terms, I am, are the translation of the divine name. Um, now, in most, when it's used elsewhere, when it's used in its fullness, it is normally translated in English to the, the word Lord, but it's all in capital letters. But most scholars agree that the name is connected to the verb to be, to exist. So, you know, God, by using that name, you know, he's not saying, well, I was who I was or I will be who I will be. He is saying of himself, I am. I am. And so this points possibly to his self-existence. I mean, he has no beginning or end. Nothing caused God. Nothing created God. Nothing sustains God. Nothing helps God. God just permanently and eternally exists. He just always is, always has been, always will be. And he does, never changes. And God is life. He is existence itself. And nothing can have life apart from him. Now, it's interesting. Jesus used this name for himself. Now, because the New Testament is written in Greek, as opposed to the Old Testament written in Hebrew, you know, it might not necessarily come across in the English translation. But Jesus used this name for himself, indicating that he was God. And the Jews knew exactly what he was talking about because he was almost stoned for it. Because in John chapter 8, verse 58, you know, he's going back and forth with the religious leaders. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. He's saying, I, Yah, it would, Yahweh. Before Abraham was, 
I am. They knew, the Jews knew exactly what he just said. That's why they tried to kill him, for blasphemy. Wait a minute, you are claiming to be God. You can't do that, so they thought. So he is claiming that God, God is God, the covenant name Yahweh. Now there's a debate about the correct pronunciation because you do hear it Jehovah and you do hear it Yahweh. But, um, I mean, we really don't know what the correct pronunciation is. Well, one, the Y and the J sound in Hebrew is very close because really, I mean, the J is like a hard Y. But the thing is, in the, when it was originally written, Hebrew didn't have uh, vowel markers. I mean, he, the Jews just knew what the words were. They didn't need vowels. They just knew what they were. But then vowels, vowels were uh, later added by scribes. So it would be a little bit easier to make a distinction between words. But they didn't know or have the vowel pointings for the divine name. And actually, the Jews never pronounced the divine name. They, they didn't want to do that because they, they, they took that whole, you know, not to use the name of, uh, of God or to use God's name in vain. They took that very seriously. That included mispronu mispronouncing the name. And so they never pronounced the name. Even when they were reading, it, you know, in the synagogues or temple or whatever, even when they were reading the scrolls, when they came to the divine name, they would substitute it. Well, usually they would substitute it with the word Adonai. And so what the scribes did, I mean, supposedly this is what the, what, what, what the scholars say, that the scribes who put the vowel pointings for Hebrew, they took the vowels from Adonai, connected them to the divine name, and that's kind of where we get the Jehovah-Yahweh thing. But, you know, it, it, either way, I mean, I don't think it, it hurts either way to pronounce it Jehovah or Yahweh, and, and normally... Though, when we talk about the divine name, and it's connected with another word, we usually word, use the word Jehovah with it, um, even though I normally, when I use the divine name, I use Yahweh, but either way. So, God, so Scripture, usually, just like with the word L, makes a compound out of the divine name. And so tonight... You know, just the, these words, they reveal something more about God. And so I just want to survey a few of them uh, here tonight. And so one that we're probably very familiar with is Jehovah Jireh. This name means the Lord will provide. It is best known for its use by uh, Abraham in the episode of Genesis 22 when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, his son, by the command of God. And so, uh, you know, the, when they're on their way up there to that mountain, you know, Isaac said, okay, I, we have the fire, we have the sticks, where is the uh, sacrifice? You kind of need something to sacrifice if you're going to have a sacrifice. And in Genesis 22:8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And then they went together but you know that's kind of a precursor then you know God, abraham was about to uh, he was about to do what god had commanded and god stayed his hand and um god provided a substitute and so here we have in genesis 22 14 abraham called the name of that place the lord will provide jehovah jireh as it is said to this day on the mount of the lord it shall be 
provided. Now, the name stresses the provision of our great God. He gives anything and everything that is adequate for the time at hand. For Abraham, I mean, God provided the ram for the sacrifice that would be the substitute for Isaac. And for us, God provided a lamb to be our substitute uh, as well, Jesus Christ. Um, if God did not hold back, uh, you know, if he, you got to think about this, if God didn't hold back his son, he gave his son for us, he provided his son for us, I mean, he'll provide everything else we need too, right? And, and it's interesting, the word Jireh is somewhat related to one of the words for to see. And so God knows everything from end to beginning and he sees what his people need before those, well, before the people even exist and before the need even exists, and he provides for those needs. He sees what is needed, and he gives what is needed. And it, it makes us think of um, what, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8. He said, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He already sees what you need. Where else are we going to go? Who else is going to provide for us? And we think of the promise that, that Paul gave in Philippians 4.19, where he said, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. In Christ Jesus, he will give you everything you need when you need it. So that's Jehovah Jireh. Another name using the Jehovah word, another compound name, is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. This name means the Lord that heals. It's found in Exodus 15, verse 26. And it says, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. And the name implies spiritual, emotional, and physical healing. It, 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 it's, it, it's wellness. It's, it's being well. I mean, just fullness. It, you know, God alone can heal the body and soul and, and spirit in every plane or level of existence of mankind. Yes, this is a fallen world. Yes, we're going to have pain. We're going to have suffering in a lot of things that happens. But guess what? Our God is Jehovah Rapha. He will heal in his time and in his way. Now that does, you know, this is not a promise. I am not one of them health wealth preachers where, okay, just say the right words, do the right thing, do the right ritual, whatever. You're guaranteed a healing. I mean, that doesn't happen. God will heal according to his will, according to his time. But here's the thing. Ultimately, we will be healed at our death. We will be completely healed at our death or when Christ returns. But God will and has, and I know many here have testimonies, where he will heal on this earth as well. But, you know, it's not we think of physical healing, and he has done that, but God can heal those who are deep in sin. God can heal a broken heart. God can heal sickness in body, but also sickness in soul. God can heal the wickedness that is within the human heart. God can heal us 
of our shortcomings. But he, because you have to figure, he healed the most dire need that humanity had, a people who were separated from him because of sin. He healed our sin sickness through Jesus Christ and brought us back to himself. And so if you need healing of some sort, you turn to God and search your own heart as well. Because we're, you know, we're told many a time in Scripture not to doubt. But we do it, we accept what God wills. Because it might not be God's will to heal physically. Heal in the way that you might think you want to be healed. But God will, will uh, heal. And uh, we're, we're just thankful for that. He is Jehovah Rapha. Another compound name using this term is Jehovah Nisi. The name means the Lord is my banner. Moses gave God this name when God helped the Israelites beat the Amalekites. And it says in Exodus 17, 15, Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. And you will notice actually that a lot of times these names are given to God at, at these times when these Old Testament saints built an altar. And then they named the altar a name of God and it, it just showed what God did and, and his character. And so here, he built an altar, and he called it, the Lord is my banner. Nisi, it's a banner. It speaks of a pole that has an insignia attached to it. Because in battle, opposing nations would fly their flags, right, on a pole at their front lines. And so sometimes the flag was a line of march. Sometimes the flag meant it was the rallying point. But, but the banner was there to give the soldiers a focal point, and it was there to give them hope. And, and this is what our God is to us, or who our God is to us. He is our banner of encouragement. He is our focal point. He is the one who gives us hope. Because we're, we're all battling something. Everyone is battling something. And as we battle these enemies in our life, God, you know, we focus in on God. He's our focal point. He's our rallying point in the battle. Because we have a lot of enemies that we fight against. For example, we battle against the flesh. Paul wrote in Romans seven eighteen, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. We have enemies in the spiritual powers of darkness. I mean, yeah, there's Satan, but he has a whole lot of helpers along with him. And we're reminded by Paul in Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have enemies who are persecutors. Jesus reminded us this in John 15, 20. He said, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And there's many different enemies that Christians face. God is our focal point. God is our rallying point. God is, when we are focused in on him, he is our hope as we go through the battle. The battles that, that we go through cannot be won by our own power, by our own wisdom, by our own way of doing things. Only by the power of God, only when we abide 
under, under the standard of God through Jesus Christ will we prevail. He is our Jehovah Nisi. He is the Lord, our banner. He is the one who will give us victory over our enemies. But another compound name that is used quite often in the Old Testament is Jehovah Shalom. That name means, and you're probably familiar with that word, uh, that name means that the Lord is peace. It was given to God during the time of the judges when the Israelites, you know, they went through many ups and downs. I mean, they went through this, the, like, a, it was just a repeating cycle. I mean, it was, you know, they were doing good for a while, but then they did what was right in their own eyes, and God gave them over to an enemy, and then they cried out to God for deliverance, and God sent a deliverer, and then they did good for a while, but then they did what was right in their own eyes, and then, they, you know, just, you know, rinse and repeat all, all the time. Now, when this was used, at this particular time, they were under the uh, oppression of the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon to call him to lead the people. Um, now, God, Gideon didn't fully understand who it was that was talking to him, but, but once he realized what was going on, he was afraid. And it says in this account in Judges chapter 6, verses 22 through 24, he said, Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then, like we read before with Moses, Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace, Jehovah Shalom. To this day it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizarites. So God extended peace to Gideon. And because God extended peace, Gideon could live in peace. And this peace, it's, it's talking about just a wholeness. Even in the midst of the storm, you know, we think of peace as being, well, there's no chaos in our life. But that's not it at all. I mean, a Gideon, there was chaos all over the place. I mean, Gideon had problems with his own family because, you know, Gideon, he tore down all the idols of, of his family and his village well, they were mad. They wanted to kill him. So he had to deal with that. He had to deal with the Midianites. And here God is calling him to lead an army against these people. I mean, there, there's chaos all over the place. And yet, the Lord is peace. Even in the midst of the chaos, I can have peace. Even in the midst of the chaos, I remain whole. Whatever might be churning around me and in me, I am whole. In God, I am a whole person when I'm in right relationship with God. When you're right with God, he will bring peace in the midst of darkness and trouble and desperate situations. We're told in Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It, the Bible does not say you keep those in perfect peace when all their troubles are taken away. He doesn't say you keep them in perfect peace when life is just going great, but not at the other times. No, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I got all this junk going on around me and in me and whatever, 
But you know what? My mind is stayed on God. And it is in Him that I find my peace. It is in Him that I find my wholeness. So if you want to have peace, you want to find peace. Everyone's looking for peace. First, you have to make sure that you're in a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then, see if there's anything in your life that is preventing you from having a full fellowship with Him. Meaning, search your life for sin and then repent of it. Are you following his word? Are you getting into his word? You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 165, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Jehovah Shalom. He is the God of peace. The Lord is peace. He is peace. Even in the midst of chaos, when our minds are stayed on him, we are following his word, law, and instruction. Your peace comes from focusing on God. Of course, if you're like me, you focus on the chaos that's going on all around you. When you do that, you lose your peace. Think of what Peter did. Hey, Jesus is walking on water. I want to do that too. Okay, come on out, Peter. Peter steps out. He's walking on water. But what does it say? All of a sudden, he noticed the big waves and the wind and all the chaos that was around him. And what happened? He started drowning. And Jesus pulled him up. O ye of little faith. Why did you focus on the chaos instead of focusing on Christ? Right? Our peace comes from focusing on Christ. And so this only scratches the surface on the Jehovah names of God, really, I mean, all the names of God, and, you know, revealing his character, revealing his attributes to us. But here's the thing. Okay, so we, can, we know the names of God. I mean, if, you've grown, if you grew up in church and you went to Sunday school and all that and you learned those names of God, that's good, but just knowing what they are is not going to do you much good. Just knowing, okay, yeah, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord provides. That won't draw you closer to God. That won't cause you to seek God more deeply. It won't cause you to repent. If all it is is knowing about God. I know the names of God like I know the Pythagorean theorem. Do you know what good the Pythagorean theorem does me every day? Not one lick of good. One, because I normally forget what the Pythagorean theorem is. I'm like, wait, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. What? Mm. I know about it. Doesn't change my life. But here's the thing. When you allow the truths of the names of God to draw you closer to God, and you base your life on what is revealed about God, you won't just know about him, you will know him. And when you know him, your life has changed. It starts first with salvation in Jesus Christ, but then that's only the beginning. Then our pursuit begins. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. 
For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.